Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up everyone, welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host Mike Morrison and this is a very, very special episode. Episode number 200. We've hit the double centennial and to celebrate, we're doing something a little bit different. I am joined by the other half of the Membership Guys. She would say the better half. That joke just isn't going to get old, is it? Is it? Is it already old? it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Callie Willows, of course, she is here to help me celebrate or to help us celebrate. So we thought a great way to celebrate such a massive, massive milestone for us would be to open the floor to you guys, to give you guys the opportunity to ask us anything you wanted. Now, I know a lot of you are members at Member Site Academy. You know that every couple of weeks we do a live Q&A and we help you out with any questions you've got about your membership and stuff like that. But this episode is really just allowing you to to ask us stuff about us, about our business, whether it's random questions, whether it's questions about our membership, our journey so far. I think we've got a couple of questions which are more broadly about memberships, but we've had some great questions in from you guys that we're very much looking forward to answering. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It is. It is. This you is know, my fun voice. This is your fun <laughs> voice. Yeah, we like talking about ourselves. We like sharing our journey, and we know that um, a lot of you guys particularly the feedback we get in the membership is you like hearing about where we've come from and how member site academies evolved, how we got into it, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, we've got some, some interesting questions in, um, which yeah, we'll, we'll get to a little bit later. You know, we, we want to keep some of the dafter ones a little later, but we're going to start off with a question from Catherine Watkin, who is one of the Academy members. Hello, um, I'm an existing member and I'm really curious. I would love to know how many members you have currently inside um, the Members Site Academy um, and how long you've been running, how long you've been going as a membership. Um, thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, we're starting off. I, I thought it was good to start off with this one because it gives us a bit of context for everything else that's talking about. Straight and to the point, there's no messing around with Catherine. How many members do we have at membersiteacademy.com and how long have we been running? Yeah, well, over the last three years, eight months, in fact, almost three years, eight months to the day that we're yeah. recording this. Give or take a day, depending on whether you were on our super secret special waiting list or not, where you got in a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, three yeah. years, eight months. Yeah, we've been running for, and we've had over 3,000 members join the Academy in that time, and we're currently, again, it's at closer, the time... It's closer, about 4,000, right? None, probably, yeah. And then, um, but currently, at the time of recording, we're at 2,167 active members yes and this is where we quickly check our email to make sure like (laughs) somebody hasn't paused their membership or we haven't had someone new joining Um, as we're saying that sentence it would be ironic if that would happen but yes as of time recording 2167 active members that um yeah have graced us with their presence who've stuck with us and who are in there in the academy doing awesome awesome things um and we love these guys i was gonna say we love each and every one of them we do especially you especially (laughs) you dear listener who of course is an academy member right because why wouldn't you be um yeah it's crazy it's actually crazy saying that it's three years eight months so it's almost four years like that is just flown past really has yeah it really really has so much has happened so much has changed and like we say we've had you know three and a half to four thousand people come through our doors since then and uh yeah it's 
It's been a fun, fun time. That's, that's a lot of membership sites out in the that world. That is a heck of a lot of memberships out in the world. So thank you, Catherine, for your question. Uh, next question actually comes from Instagram. So we opened this up. We got, we got hip. We got it on the gram. Right, <laughs> as nobody says, um, it's the only time the word "hip" has ever been used in reference to us before. Other, other than "ow, my hip hurts," how <laughs> did I get so old? Um, we've got a question from Brendan Schneider um, on Instagram. Brendan wants to know if we could go back in time to the beginning of Member Site Academy, what would we do differently? Oh, see, this is a tricky one because on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, nothing actually. It's all been good, but actually, the main thing I would change is reconsider the name, yeah, and yeah. and the brand because we've never taught, we've never. It's it feels a bit weird talking about this because we we don't tend to to discuss this much because you know. Um, the so we've been blessed for so many amazing things to have happened within our business. It almost feels a little um, nitpicky to be to be looking at stuff like this. But we've never been one hundred percent happy with the the brand for Member Side Academy. Yeah, and it was a very last minute thing as well because while we were planning, while we were creating things, we were referring to it as Membership Academy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there already is a Membership Academy that isn't. It, it's an old site, yes. but it's still out there. So yeah. at the last minute, we decided we probably didn't want to go with that and we'd go with Member Site Academy instead. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, we had membershipacademy.co.uk and so we we'd kind of decided because at the time our business was UK based, the vast majority of the people in our in our social networks, our connections were in the UK. Our agency was UK based. You know, we had a little specialist um, sub-branch of our agency, which was kind of the precursor to what we do uh, today, that was called membersites.co.uk. So we already had that member site instead of membership and um, the UK element was was obviously a factor in there as well. So we had membershipacademy.co.uk and we'd we'd made our peace with that being the domain. But we after a lot of kind of soul searching, a lot of discussion, um, we figured that, you know, it was it was going to be a limiting thing for us. It was always that limiting belief, limiting approach to kind of think, well, well it's okay if we just stick to the UK crowd, then membership academy it is. Um, so because we already had membersites.co.uk uh, and we'd been blogging there and obviously that was... Uh, that was, that where, was where the wait list was. That was where the wait list was. Um, I have a vague recollection of our Facebook group and we. Tr- I tried to, to see if I could find this, um, whether we'd use like member site mastermind instead of membership. So we'd had more uses of the word member site instead of membership to, to help justify and make that decision. We've never loved it. Every time we see that logo and we see member site and not membership, it just needles at us a little bit. Um, so, you know, obviously it, it hasn't impeded us. As we've said, we've had thousands of people join us um, and thousands of people stay. It hasn't, it hasn't hindered us, but now we are blessed to be in a position where you know we've we've got a real successful business we've got a lot of the stuff that was top of our list of priorities to address um in in making the academy the number one product for membership site owners in the world the number one community now that we've kind of got a lot of that stuff solidified and taken care of it almost highlights the little things we're not as happy about a little bit more so the name and the brand 
you know, we um, we've had discussions with the guy who's got Membership Academy, despite the fact it's a real, real antiquated site. Um, I think he still gets kind of enough of a trickle of traffic from it for him to not want to give the domain up. Um, certainly not for a reasonable price anyway. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, I think the thing is to go back and, and change the name. It's not like we could change it to Membership Academy. And it's not like going with membershipacademy.co.uk would have been the, the way to go. So it's a weird one to say we do it differently because it hasn't, it hasn't hurt us. It hasn't stopped us from, you know, building a seven-figure membership business. Um it's not like the other options would have been better, but in an ideal world, we'd go back and we'd we'd probably just come at it from a totally different angle. So um, yeah, that's something that we would do differently, not because it's it's caused an issue or because it was a mistake. Um, it would just be you know, I don't know, the fact that we're nearly four years on and it's still like. Argh! Still bugs us a little bit because people get the name wrong. Yeah, people get the name wrong. They expect it to be Membership Academy. Yeah, so they'll search for Membership Academy. And, you know, if you Google Membership Academy, we still come up there anyway. Um, so, you know, it doesn't hurt us in that way. But, you know, people we will see people call it, you know, um, Membership Site Academy, um, the Membership Guys Academy, Membership Guys Site Academy. We saw someone call it the Marketing Academy the other day, which... Yeah, I the, don't know where that came no, from. No, no idea where that came from. Um, so, yeah. So that's definitely one thing. Another thing I would do is um, I would get into video. Yeah, I would get over my fear of being on camera a lot sooner. Yeah, so um, when we very first started out, we decided that in terms of kind of, we, we knew content marketing was going to be a big, big part of what we do. And that's that comes from seeing how effective it is in our experience of working with clients. Uh, and we we were going to blog, podcast, and put out video. And we blogged and we podcast. And we didn't really get the video stuff going. We put some out, um, but they were like tech tutorials. They served us well, but we didn't get consistent with video. It fell by the wayside pretty much at the point at which we, we'd realized podcasting was a lot more effective than we'd anticipated it being. We kind of, um, we almost went all in where Callie was all in on the blogging because she loves writing. And I was all in on the podcast yeah. and neither of us were really enthusiastic about video. Um, and we've never, we've all, it's always been kind of on the list to allocate some time and resources to. And it always gets kicked down the road. Uh, that is going to change. I was going to say, keep your eyes open. Yes, keep your eyes open because that is, that is going to change. And a big part of the reason that is going to change is the third thing that I would do differently. And that is, um, I would get on camera in in other aspects of what we do a lot sooner. So Kali actually mentioned there that one of the reasons we didn't get into video as much was just not having the comfort level of being on camera. Yeah, and I think me more than you especially, like yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of well, I, cameras I, in any way, shape yeah, or form. Yeah, and I'd done video marketing like before it was cool. Um, so, you know, I, and I, I'm slightly more egotistical, so I, I was more comfortable on camera. But, um, yeah, like for, what, for a year and a half, two years, um, we, like when we did the live Q&As in the academy, we would have like a, a, a graphic on screen. So you'd hear our voice, but you wouldn't see us. Um, we, I think, did we have a, 
We didn't even have a welcome video or photo for a long time. No, we had, no, we didn't we, even have photos. We didn't have photos. We had the, um, like, when someone joined the academy, we had that... A picture of a dog. Yes, a dog holding a champagne glass, Oh, right? no, that, that was for the accelerator. It was okay. a dog on a welcome mat. A for... dog on a welcome mat was our welcome thing, instead of, you know, seeing us. Um, and we, we got over that. Some of that is because, you know, we made some lifestyle changes and we both, um, you know, committed ourselves to getting a little more comfortable in ourselves to be on video. But a big part of it was just like, you know what, to hell with it. Let's just do it. Let's just get over ourselves. Let's just get on camera. And so um, we got some photos sorted. We started going on camera for our live Q&As. We um, recorded on-camera videos when we revamped the membership roadmap. We recorded a welcome video where, quite rightly, you see me and Callie as the first people you see when you join, thanking you for joining and all that. And um, the response was was massively positive. Like, our live Q&As are so much better I, I, yeah, I love it. I love our live Q&As. It's so much fun. We're on camera for the whole thing. And, you know, just even seeing little things in the chat from people kind of like, uh, when I've answered a question and they're like, yeah, you can tell what Mike really thinks <laughs> by the expression on his face. Um, or, you know, they'll, they'll see me smirking as, as Callie's reading the question out. And it just improves our connection. And I think it's made us feel um, more comfortable in... I suppose in our relationship with with our members and yeah. our audience. Yeah, definitely. And I think for, from my point of view, a large part of why we didn't do that in the first place, just to finish this off, was also when we first started the Academy, it wasn't really about us. Yeah. It was about the topic and helping people with the topic. And people came to that not because of us. If you see what I mean, we weren't yeah. the, the the focal point. We, whereas were, we over- weren't attempting to be, were yeah. we? We weren't attempting to be visible you know we we our strategy was just to be um ridiculously useful in our in our content yeah it wasn't us being the focus and and the the reason people join essentially and then you know that's still the case our our main focus is still always just making sure the content we put out is awesome yeah but more and more people do join because they want help from us specifically in connection with us yeah i think we went too far in the other direction and we're like okay you know let's focus on making the content you know if if we have a choice between somebody consuming a piece of content from us and thinking oh wow mike and callie are such amazing people they're such great people we love those we love those guys if we have a choice between that and someone being like oh wow that was amazing that was just so useful that content that helped me solve my problem if we could only do one of two, obviously we want to choose the latter. There's plenty of people out there where their entire business is predicated on this whole cult of personality thing and where their whole marketing, their whole strategy is based around convincing you of how great a person they are. And, you know, there's, I, I mean, there's, there's almost playbooks for how to do that kind of marketing out there. Um, that's not the angle we wanted to go, but in trying to avoid that, we definitely overcorrected, yeah. <laughs> and we, yeah, we we underestimated how important it was for our voice to be heard and for that connection to be made and for us to be on camera. And so, um, correcting that has, uh, I think, really added a, an extra dimension to everything that we do, and it's something we're going to go even further in. But you know, we would have done that earlier. And, um, yeah, we still get people, they join the academy, they don't know who we are. They join it because 
they've heard by reputation how awesome it is or because you know it's the most comprehensive and it's all i mean you guys know it's <laughs> it's ridiculous just how good the academy is not that i'm biased i'm gonna say you yeah know. <laughs> but you know we get people join for very practical reasons they have a they have a problem we have a solution that's it it's as simple as that but we you know i i think people who consume our content we're getting more and more people over the years saying you know i joined because i like your approach i joined because you know a, a good antithesis to the the sleazy internet marketing um stuff uh, or you the way you conduct yourselves integrity all that yeah. sort of stuff oh british straightforwardness <laughs> yeah yeah so you know the personality thing is is a big big thing so we would definitely get on camera more and as the the months and years progress it's something that we're making more of a concerted effort um to do and like i say this ties into putting out more video marketing which is something we'll be doing in the coming weeks months years spoiler I was going to say, go ahead and subscribe to the membership guys on YouTube and yeah. you, you may see us soon. Although I do find it funny. We get a lot of members from YouTube. We get so many members from YouTube. Now, our YouTube channel primarily consists of audiograms of our podcast. Now, our podcast is awesome, but the notion of listening to podcasts on YouTube is still alien to me. I know some people do it, but we've got over a thousand subscribers on a YouTube channel that we've given very, very little love to very att little attention so um yeah our youtube channel is going to kick it up a notch in the coming uh weeks and months so yeah anyway that was a long answer to a short question but thank you brendan um it's always interesting to think about these things so yeah all right next question comes from the academy forum this is from linda basso who wants us to talk about the early days of uh, member site academy any fears or any doubts that we had whether we thought it would work any crazy blunders or mistakes that we made and any other thoughts about that beginning stage of our membership journey. We would, we've addressed some of these in Brennan's question, um, but yeah, this is a good question, Linda. Yeah, I think with anything like this, you're always going to have that niggle about, oh, well, what if this all goes wrong? What if it doesn't work? What if we don't get enough members and things like that? I think we had the benefit of because we'd been working with membership sites. For years. Yeah, yeah. for years. We knew a lot of the best things to do so yeah. we were fairly confident that what we were going to do would work it was more to what degree would it work yeah and how would it change um other aspects of our business yeah. remembering we had a very we were oversubscribed in our agency like we'd already got to a point where you know with every other every couple of months our hourly rate was going up and our client base was becoming more and more selective because um we had an awesome track record we had an awesome um, kind of list of very big multinational companies we'd worked with. We were highly in demand. And so, you know, any sane person might look at that and think, why in the world would you start a membership and go into the unknown? Like, just keep on doing what you do and reaping the benefits of, of how well the agency was doing, right? Yeah, and I think... As Mike said, there was that issue of how would it fit with the agency? Would it would it be would we have time for both? Would it yeah. impact on what we were doing? But also I think for me personally, my biggest fear stroke doubt was would I want to keep doing this month after month? Mm. Would I be happy continually creating content and showing up for this membership month after month? Because until then, we hadn't necessarily had that kind of routine in our business. Yeah, we, you know, it, it was a very, it was a, a, a pattern interrupt. Yeah. You know, and as I think certainly in those early days when we were still doing both, there were, you know, you'd, if you tried to switch 
from okay, we'll do like three hours on this client project and then we're going to do some membership stuff. It was such a, a whiplash effect yeah. in terms of the the type of work you were doing, the 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 mental place you needed to be in to to kind of be in the zone. Um, so that that was a little bit of a weird time those first few months. Yeah, and I think you know, fortunately, I actually I love. Yeah. The membership, I love being able to show up every day. I love being able to create content every month. So yeah, we're nearly four years in now and still happy doing it. Can't see yeah. it changing. Um, really want to carry on doing it for another four years. Yeah, and that's one of the big the big things that we, the question that we tell people ask themselves when they're considering starting a membership is, you know, if you picture the scenario 10 years down the line and your day-to-day, literally all you do is answer questions about this topic is create content about this topic, talk about this topic, do interviews about it. Does that sound like your idea of heaven or does it sound like your idea of hell? And we already had the sense that, you know, this this sounds like it could be really cool. Um, but, you know, if it, if it sounds like something you would absolutely hate doing and you're still early in the journey, then it doesn't bode well. But, yeah, for us, you know, like, I'd be happy doing this un- until we drop yeah (laughs) what's the exit plan i love it yeah like just the membership is yeah it's it's our life we eat sleep live and breathe this stuff um so yeah i mean again going back to those early days fears and doubts in particular there was that unknown there was that fear of rocking the boat you know we'd we'd worked long and hard to to get our business to where it was um and it was kind of it was at the peak like the the reason why we started the membership was because we were at the peak of our business and as a result we were able to help fewer people and so the the catalyst for it was we were finding more and more we were having to say to people if they sent us a question or something we were having to say to people listen we we literally just cannot help you we either didn't have the time or it just wasn't fair to clients who were paying us you know tens of thousands of of dollars it just wasn't fair to them if we sat down and spent you know 45 minutes writing reviewing someone's whole strategy document because people would send us like 10 page strategy plans for their their membership and ask for our feedback for free and you know we just couldn't do it and we were finding more and more we were having to turn people away so you know we what we wanted to do was find something like member side academy where we could say listen we can't help you, but actually these guys over there, go see them. They'll take care of you. That's the place to go if you want to learn how to do this, if you want answers to your questions. And there just wasn't anything. There were some people out there with overpriced, overhyped courses that, you know, just we just did not feel comfortable recommending because we knew that it was BS, right? We knew that it was real schlocky, sleazy, rip-off stuff. Um, there was some blog posts out there, but... At the time, the only people really talking about memberships would be someone who maybe, you know, they'd have a blog about like blogging or online marketing, and then maybe once every six months, they'd write something about memberships. So it it was really a huge risk. Uh, This is all to say, you know, the, the, the thing that led us into the memberships was because we were being so successful in the agency. And that's a very, very scary thing a very scary situation to rock that boat and there's every chance it could have gone wrong. Yeah, and I think for me, the biggest 
fear and anxiety was actually when the academy started taking off and we we made that decision that actually we're going to go all in on this and we're going to stop doing client work because at that point as Mike said the the agency business was successful so let's be honest we were making pretty good money mm. and to a lot of people to switch from charging thousands to charging $49 for a membership it was 39 at the oh, time yeah, as well yeah it was 39 at the time it was early days. you know was a little bit crazy and when we <laughs> made that decision to to kind of stop the agency work and just go all in on the membership a lot of people People did think we were crazy. They did, and also because it it happened so quickly. So as kind of said, we didn't really the the biggest unknown was how it would affect what was at the time our core business. Like we 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 knew there were certain different ways it could go. Um, we didn't have much of an audience at all. When yeah, we, we didn't well. have an audience because we'd been focusing on the service yeah, business. Like all of our business was coming from word of mouth. And so even people who were on our email list or people who were in our network, they were in our network because what they wanted was to pay someone tens of thousands of dollars to just do all this for them. So they weren't the market for a $40 or $50 a month membership. So we were starting from nothing in terms of, in terms of audience. Um, and you know so for us there were so many variables we didn't know whether the most we could expect would be that this would be a nice little side project that maybe was the first or maybe was the first step in a funnel that led to us getting clients so maybe it would just be something we use for lead generation maybe it'd be something that you know we we had a free level to that again was just about getting people into our ecosystem and then maybe we do high ticket retreats or uh, high ticket courses and stuff like that um so that was one possible way it could have went um the other way is it might have ended up 50 50 you know um and it wasn't kind of just one small part that was a side thing maybe you know it, it yeah. could have been something where the end result was we balance it. What we had a, a hunch that it would, um, it, it would go so well. I mean, this is what we do, right? Um, that it would go well enough so that eventually we would be in a position to consider winding down the client work and focusing just on this. But we thought the timeline for that would be minimum a year. So we we kind of gave ourselves six months in which we'd said listen let's not overthink it let's not worry too much about how year 10 looks let's just let it kind of roll out organically let's see where the momentum takes us let's see what feedback there is let's see you know how much we enjoy it and um so the, I suppose the most ambitious thing that we'd had in mind was we'd get to six months, everything would be going great, and then we'd have that conversation. Okay, so how do we transition away? And we'd start that process where we kind of say, okay, so let's plan out the next year to start gradually moving away from client work. So we thought 12 to 18 months, we'd most optimistic outlook, we would wind down the, the agency and we'd focus on the membership um, full time. Happened a little bit quicker than that. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> by the Christmas, so we opened the end of August and by Christmas we were, well, me personally, I loved the membership so much. Yeah. I just wanted to be all in on it and it was growing quicker than we'd expected. And yeah, I think we both just realized that this was what we wanted to do. This yeah. was this was our zone of genius, yeah. so to speak. It was like, okay, yeah, like this isn't a case of let's get to six months and have a conversation about how we might transition. This was like, the membership was almost forcing itself upon us. It was like, okay, no, no, we're three months in. This is happening, right? This is this is how it's 
worked out organically. And so um, we, you know, we still had we still had existing clients, um, not too many because again, as we said, we we had got to a point where we were just working with a small clutch of of retainers, no, mostly yeah, like lucrative retainers with a, a very selective small group of clients at that point. But we did have. We had a few projects that were set to begin and that I think around about that Christmas should have already started. So we set a deadline. We decided, you know, um, there's a whole kind of process of this. I won't go into it, but we we essentially had like staggered deadlines of when we'd stop stop taking on clients and when we'd stop with existing clients based on how long we'd work with them, how much um, money there was in them, that sort of stuff. Um, And there were a few projects that we kind of said, okay, if this project starts by this date, then we'll do the work, we'll get the project done. And they missed that deadline. We told them it, you know, they'd been dragging their heels, they'd changed their minds, they delayed and delayed and delayed. But we'd already received deposits, and we used to take 50% in deposits. So we had a few projects like that. And so the I think the biggest, scariest moment, uh, and they say, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, are different to like small business owners because they take heavier than usual risks. This is the heaviest risk we'd ever took. We not only had to go to these people and say, listen, we have to cancel your project. Like it should have started three months ago. Had it started two months ago or whenever we could have done it, but we simply could not begin those projects. It had got so late in, in the whole timeline that there was no way that we could go all in on the membership with the prospect of, of these big, big projects starting at any time. Um, and so we had to give the deposits back. So not only did we have to kind of um, cross off a potential big injection of cash that would have happened if those projects had continued and we completed them, we also had to hand back about fifty or $60,000 in project in deposits we'd already received and the membership was doing well it wasn't doing well enough to to make it so that that wasn't a, a real squeaky bum moment <laughs> like, squeaky bum moment. <laughs> anyone who anyone who's a football fan in the uk will get that reference i think anybody will but yeah um listen it could have been much worse but i don't want to make this an explicit <laughs> rated episode so we had a hand we like we had to give them money that we'd already had on the balance sheet that was ours you know um a portion of which had obviously been spent just in the the the, the month-to-month operations of the business that was scary because there was there was still a large unknown. It still could have taken a turn for the worst. We weren't taking anything for granted, but we also knew if we didn't do this, if we allowed ourselves to to be pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, and don't get me wrong, this wasn't a case of we'd agreed it would start, you know, February first, and then February tenth, we're like, nope, you missed it. Like this is months, months past schedule that they'd agreed to and they understood we need to start on this date. So that was that was scary, but. It worked out. All right. I think it was anything else about the early days? No, I think no. that that was it for me. Yeah. Um, we did a, a series of like three podcast episodes back to back right at the beginning. I'm going to link to these in the show notes. If you head to the membershipguys.com slash 200, so that's 200, I'll link you to those podcast episodes. Um, they, they largely detail a massive, massive tech hiccup we had at the last moment. I won't go into it on this episode, otherwise it's going to end up a very long one. It's going to be long anyway, um, but it's a special episode, you know, so 
Take it. Um, <laughs> but uh, head on over to the membership guys at com slash two zero zero. And uh, yeah, if you want to dig deeper into those early stages. And those episodes were recorded like... Right after the launch. Right after the launch. So that is real real early stage as it was happening kind of stuff um because yeah we had a major tech meltdown at the last minute and that that caused a few issues so check that out anyway thank you for that question linda um we're gonna have a quick reprieve with um a question from the one and only mr mark asquith from rebel base media uh he asked on facebook what video game would you make into a movie why and who would star in it Well, sadly enough, Mark, this is a conversation Mike and I have had probably far more frequently than most normal people do. (laughs) You know what? I actually think Mark has asked this probably because... He he knows we would have had this conversation. Exactly. It's like times. it's like whether people have a zombie apocalypse plan or yeah, not, I mean, which obviously we do. That's what people but, do. You go you go to a supermarket, you go to a mall, and you start looking around and and weighing up whether or not this would be an appropriate hiding place during a zombie apocalypse, yeah. right? Yeah. So obviously. yeah, so it's one of those conversations <laughs> you have to have. Yeah. So obviously, for anybody who's not aware, Mike and I are both big gamers, massive video game geeks, massive nerds. Yeah. I complete more than Mike does. Yeah. Callie's actually exceeded me. Like, she's finishing games just left, right, and center. I can't play very well. I die a lot, but I have fun doing it. (laughs) She's bad and she plays on easy mode all the time. But, you know. So do you? More and more I am, actually. (laughs) I'm getting too old to want challenges from my. my video games i just want to complete them with minimal fuss anyway yeah. so yes Mark, we have had this conversation yeah so the really obvious choice is god of war the game from last year which is probably one of the best game, games yeah, of the year one of the best games of the decade yeah. god of war on playstation yeah. um, and triple h from wwe yes. would have to be the star yes triple h triple h playing is it kratos yeah yeah that's the current name um triple h playing kratos if you want to know why, just Google Triple H God of War. Like the dude, not <laughs> only is identical. He, yeah, it's identical. He's got the big, thick beard and the bald head. He's jacked, obviously, because he's a professional wrestler. He's getting older, so he's looking quite grizzled and stuff now. And also, um, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the game. You know, he is a gruff, no nonsense, brooding, brooding, quite quiet character. Um, so you don't need someone who can act particularly well. And I think a lot of the times people who who can't act well can get away with it if they don't have too much dialogue. Um, although, you know, Triple H was in Blade 3 and he was okay. Anyway, um, and The Chaperone, where yeah. we're, yeah. So that is the movie God of War starring Triple H or Paul Levesque um, from World Wrestling Entertainment. And um, he will be playing Kratos. And why? Why not? It's an like, awesome. It's it an awesome story. It would, good, it would translate well to a would, film, and it would work well, you know, because we've already we've already got Thor. Um, uh, people love Thor, and Thor's obviously obviously from Norse mythology as well as from the comic books. And God of War it would is, be a bit darker than Thor. It would be though, a, in lot, fairness. <laughs> a lot darker than Thor, but you know, um, God of War deals with well, the version of the game from last year deals with. Is it North, Norse mythology that it deals with? I think so. But I think the series spans from like Norse mythology to Greek mythology, Roman mythology. So, yeah, it's a lot of awesome stuff. So, yes, 
Thanks for the question, Mark. <laughs> Nothing to do with memberships, but, you know, we did say anything goes. All right, next question comes from Instagram. And um, this question is, when are you guys going to have Chris Ducker back on the show? He's always my favourite. Callie, who does that question come from? <laughs> that question, unsurprisingly, comes from the one and only Chris Ducker. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you know what? Chris has actually been on the show three times already. Like, those of you who listen Isn't- to podcasts will know that we don't heavily feature interviews. Um, we've maybe done 12, 15 in the last 200. Uh, maybe a couple more, actually, but this isn't an interview podcast. Predominantly a, a one-man show. You don't count as an interview. I don't. You don't. You don't. And you, you don't. don't let me on enough. Exactly. <laughs> That's deliberate. I'm going to start a campaign. No, don't. You've got your own podcast. <laughs> It's only because my fragile ego just can't take how much people love listening to you. Like, it makes me worry. It's like, oh, you need to get Callie back on. Why? Why am I not good enough for you? Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Chris Chris has been on more times than, than any other guest. I think uh, we've had Janet. Janet Murray has, has been on twice. Chris has been on three times. And they are the only repeat guests. Other than you, obviously. Technically, actually, Chris has been on four. Because when we hit our milestone 100th episode... Wow, that was like 100 episodes ago. When we hit our 100th episode, um, we got some sound bites from a few people in our community um, and a few like experts and thought leaders out there. And Chris was one of the sound bites. So he's been on four times. Four times is enough. Well, you know, he's got a lot of good stuff to share. He has. He has. He's got a lot of good stuff to share. And you know but, what? We might have you on again sometime soon. Yeah. But I think if and, we I think if we got Chris on again, like it can't just be an interview. Because he's no. gonna because he I think once you've been on like four or five times, you've got a good case for trying to kind of like overthrow <laughs> the podcast host. I think it's part of a larger campaign to try and usurp the Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, obviously. So, obviously. Um, yeah. You can, however, see Chris at Retain in September, though, Ooh, if you're coming nice. along. nice. If you like what I did there. I like what you did there. I like that you just take my complete absurd rambling and then bring it all back to promoting our conference in September. Yeah, one of us has got to keep our work head on. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. So, Chris is our keynote, closing keynote speaker at the Retain Conference mm-hmm. in September. So, if you haven't got your tickets yet and you want to hear more from Chris Ducker because he does have a lot of awesome stuff to share, he does. Then head over to retainlive.com to get your ticket today. Love that. Love that. And you know what? Chris is going to like what we did there. We take his completely ridiculous question and spin it into promo for retainlive.com. So, um, yeah. Uh, we might need to wait a few years before getting Chris back in the podcast, though. Has, he's been on Behind the Membership, hasn't he? Hasn't, he hasn't, no. He hasn't. You told me not to. Uh, because he's been on my show so many yeah. bloomin' times. All right, the the statute of limitations might have passed now, <laughs> so we may be able to get Chris on Behind the Membership, the third season of which will be coming soon. Yes, next month. Next month. Well, maybe. Let's wait until it's being recorded and edited first. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to set expectations low okay. so you can then overachieve, right? Okay, anyway, next tip, which I feel is quite timely, is from Chris Badger. Um, Chris is the founder of um, Lifter LMS, one of the most awesome 
learning management system plugins for WordPress. Um, and Chris has asked on Facebook, what are some of our tips for working with your spouse? My biggest tip of all is separate offices. Separate offices. So, you know, I love Mike and everything, but we work differently. We have different tastes in music the most of the time. You know, we have different routines and trying to work in the same office would just drive both of us nuts. It would. So, you know, we actually have a much bigger house than we need just so we can have <laughs> decent-sized separate offices in order to work more effectively. And it's funny, and it's- I will say this comes from hard experience because when we first, well, when we first started living together, we had separate businesses, but we were both we self-employed. In the same space, yeah, yeah, we worked in the same place, which was in our tiny living room on, or, you know, on opposite couches. It was a yes, and it was a converted garage yeah. that um, that we were renting. So it was about the size of a traditional single car garage. Was the space we were sharing about a third of it was taken up by the kitchen, yeah. and the other third was taken up by a a three a uh, sofa set that was too big because we didn't big, measure it because we didn't measure it and so um this is to give an idea of just how close the quarters were that we actually worked in um yeah. but i think that was good though because yeah. you know we we built up a little bit of a tolerance but also got enough of an idea of what it would be working like in a single office room together to know that you know what it might be better if <laughs> the next place we move to we get two more bedrooms than we need so that we can work separately and you know we actually it's not so much now but the last the the last place we lived um where we were almost as far apart yeah. as you could physically get in the house like you're, you're see i would say we're further apart here because i'm downstairs you're the, upstairs actually here. this is true yeah you're you're downstairs kind of in the middle of the house i'm upstairs all the way up to the side so yeah we put some real real distance between ourselves we've got an amazon echo one of the video ones yeah we, we call ourselves on <laughs> yeah. and call each other on amazon echo to yeah. discuss things yeah on the little video screens um <laughs> we use facebook messenger and stuff like that so um yeah and it makes but, sense because we do have different working styles we would we obviously when the day is done because we work at home we then have to spend the evening and the night and stuff together and if we were basically in the same room for like 24 hours a day we would go crazy yeah, or more, and, more accurately Callie would go crazy. yeah and it's nice because this way you know we we both do our separate work we come together and have lunch and, and we have meetings and stuff yeah like and, that, and things obviously. like that we're not just completely antisocial all day <laughs> but it does give us that separate space for for what we're working on because we both tend to cover different different sides of the business yeah but and that's that's the other thing is actually um it doesn't necessarily need to be like documented or or strictly line drawn down the middle middle in terms of what each of your duties are and what type of work you each do in the business but i think having some things that are clearly you know this is your remit this is my remit the you know this is the yeah. type of thing you do like these tasks fall into your area these tasks fall into mine having a little bit of a separation of responsibilities makes well it makes working separately easier because you know you, you're not having to discuss absolutely everything it also makes decision making quicker because you're not having to approve like get every idea or everything you want to do approved by the other person um you know if you just kind of decide between yourselves so you know the customer support side and the community side of the academy is predominantly Kali's domain now that doesn't mean that i just avoid any of it 
completely. I'm still in the in the community, still answering questions and this and the other. But the bigger picture of the academy, the day to day, you know, if literally only one of us has thirty minutes to free to spare in a day, and we need to get in the community, that person would be Callie. All right, that's her domain. Um, there's aspects of our marketing which are our domain. The podcast is obviously our domain. Things like the design of our marketing assets, the graphic stuff, while we've been outsourcing more and more as the team grows, again, that was all traditionally my domain as well. And then obviously we have the bigger picture, the overall strategy. Um, even like, the, I was going to say management of the team. Management of the team was still kind of, we're still kind of finding our feet in yeah. terms of, because there's certain things our team do which for which Callie just has no part in the process particularly with the podcast. Um, but then there's other parts of what our team do where... But you have no part. I have no part. <laughs> so that's still something, you know, it's, it, 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 you find your feet, I think, with that thing. And, you know... Yeah. Um, and clear communication is key. Yeah. Like being able to actually voice things and say what you want to say. Yeah, and, and yeah, just being clear in, in what both of you want, what both of you are doing and and making sure that yeah any issues are kind of yeah hit head on and you know what i think something that i do see um other people when they're talking about you know working with a spouse um is this idea that you know you have to have that hard boundary on talking about your business so you know when when the whistle blows and it's 6 p.m. and you knock off work then you don't take discussion of the business out to meals with you you don't if you're taking a holiday don't talk about work do you know what i think if you love your business and you love your work like i don't agree with that yeah i think for us and i will preface this by saying we do not have kids yeah that so is true, yeah. it is just the two of us and our very needy cat hmm. um which obviously makes a difference you know the dynamic and and that kind of family balance would probably be much different if we did have have children hmm. but for us with just the two of us we're very flexible in you know we're flexible in our working anyway if if we're not in the mood one morning we we Don't won't work, work. <laughs> you know we we do very much run our business around what we what works for us yeah. um but yeah that that division we've never been very good at that but that works for us too you know most of our best business meetings we're both night owls most of our best business meetings are at one o'clock in the morning but genuinely genuinely <laughs> like, like honestly yeah like that's not even an exaggeration or anything there there have been countless times where we've just had major major breakthroughs in strategy um or some of the most important discussions in our business is we've we've just crawled into bed <laughs> and we just get talking and and we get talking for like half an hour and that's like okay let's make a coffee and let's let's roll with this because if you if you kind of put in a, a pin in it and wait till the next morning then the momentum's gone the inspiration's gone now some of you will be shaking your heads at that but the point of it is find what works for you yeah. for your lifestyle like don't the reason I brought up the kind of having the boundaries is sometimes you'll hear someone say, "You, if you don't do this, then it's going to cause problems." No, it's not. You know, if you chat about if if, if you chat about your business over dinner, then it's not going to cause issues. Yeah, and for us, you know, again, it's different for everyone, but for us, we work best when 
we're we're in the zone and we're thinking on something. So as Mike said before, if we're both thinking of something, but it's like, well, it's Saturday, so we can't talk about that. Then by the time Monday comes around, we've either lost that inspiration, that zone, or, you know, it it just leaves us frustrated. Yeah. So this is to say, you know, it's okay to allow work to seep into personal. People get too worried about trying to get a work-life balance. And I think they get over anxious about it if you're working with a spouse or a family member or something like that. They they feel even more pressure to have a clearly distinguished, definitive work-life balance. I think it's a myth. I think it's a myth. It's If you love what you do and you do what you love and all that, then it blurs, you know, and it blends. And it's okay if the work stuff blends over into the personal stuff. Like, you don't have to have a rule that says no shop talk on weekends no shop talk after dinner like yeah so don't ignore a lot of what people yeah. say that and ignore the that nagging feeling of you know we need to we need to find a way of separating work from from life when you work with your partner your work and your life are, are blended whether no matter what you do about yeah. it so Good question, Chris. Thank you for that. Next question comes from one of our Academy members. Take it away, April. Hey, Mike and Callie. April here. So I have a question for you regarding adding things to your membership site after it's already been launched. So I'm hoping to tailor any new content that I add to my members to try to make sure I'm giving my current members a lot of value, but also getting new members based off of the value I'm adding by adding new resources. And you both seem to be really good at doing this in the Member Site Academy. It seems like you have everything I could possibly need. You've answered so many of my problems that I've had. So I'm thinking that you probably really listen to your subscribers. I just want to know, do you um, go off of ideas you get from emails from your members? Are you looking at the forums or Facebook groups? Where do you get the ideas of what content to add to the membership site next? And how much content do you try to add each month? Thanks so much for all your help. Love the Member Site Academy. So it's a good question. As we've said before, um, we talk to our members a lot. We we survey members. We um, obviously every person who joins our site, we we ask them what they're looking to achieve, um, what challenges they're having, what stage they on in their they're on in their journey, and stuff like that. Um, again, we we get this information as well from people who haven't joined our membership. You know what would make you more likely to join what type of content are you looking for um so so much of uh, our idea generation and how we decide what to prioritize and when does come from that ongoing dialogue that we have with our members and we have with our broader audience and that's been the case from day one yeah it has like so much of our plans even in that first year you know we we started out with this this plan of this was the content we were going to create in the first year of the membership and actually that got thrown up in the air like a lot of that still happened but also once we started getting members and they were asking for things and 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 stuff it was actually well let's give them what they're asking yeah, for as opposed to yeah as opposed to this thing that we think yeah. they need I so they, still- they told us because you can only if you're starting out you can only guess at what yeah. the most important things are because it's not enough to just have a list of ideas you need to then be able to prioritize which 
ideas get done first and when they get done. And that's usually where the wrinkles come. Yeah. And that for us was, you know, our members added more to that list that we we either hadn't thought of or that um, we hadn't realized would be quite as important to quite as many people. But also, you know, they helped, they shuffled around the prioritization. Yeah. yeah, there were certain things that we'd thought would come later, which we actually ended up doing, you know, quite early on because because members were telling us that was what they wanted yeah. and things like that. And even now, like my approach to content with the membership content I'm talking about here um, is I like to have a plan. I like to know that, you know, we have content for the next six, eight, 12 months planned out what we will mm. do. But I like to have flexibility in that plan as well, that if actually suddenly something comes up or members are asking for something else, or there's a new topic that seems to take priority, we can be flexible with that plan and switch things around and add things in. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about memberships is one of our favorite thing about it is that nothing is written in pen. So, you know, if we obviously as Callie says, we plan our content, we batch produce content well in advance. But, you know, if we've got a, a workshop scheduled for June that is on one topic, but then feedback from members or something happens in the industry um, that means those plans would change and that would be more useful and beneficial to members to do something on a different topic for that slot. Literally the worst thing, worst case scenario is we have to go back to people and say, okay, we moved this workshop to later. Nobody dies when we do that. It's not even it's not even embarrassing for us to have to change those plans as long as we communicate it and we explain why we do it. Um, if we were planning, we've had situations where we were planning to do courses on certain things, but then we scrapped them because there was just no appetite in our in our membership. And in a lot of cases, we've just kind of quietly sunsetted those ideas. And guess how many people raised it or asked about it? Zero. So memberships are just flexible by nature of the fact that they're continuously evolving product, which does make it a lot easier for us um, to have that long-term plan, as Kelly's talking about, while maintaining a massive degree of flexibility because it's you don't want to be chopping and changing your ideas and your plans every single week. But you're usually not going to have to if you have to move the schedule around, if you have to delay a live Q&A or cancel one or, you know, have it where, you know, there are little, there's less of a gap between them. Nobody, nobody pays attention to that level of detail. And if anyone's saying to you, well, you know, normally you do your live Q&As on a Wednesday, you've just done it on a Thursday, what an outrage. You don't want those people in your membership anyway. So I know this this is veering away from kind of what we're talking about, but this is to reinforce Callie's point about having that flexibility. And that flexibility allows us um, a lot more room to continue to uh, respond to suggestions from members and yeah. what they're telling us is most important to them. Yeah, so our, our content is always dictated by our members. Yeah. And, you know, when we started out, we, as Kai said, we had the, we had a list of all the things we would want to cover. Um, we made a determination ourselves just using our knowledge of the topic of, you know, what is essential for people to have from the get-go. If someone joins, like, on the day we launch, what is absolutely essential to help them start getting results? So we used that to determine what the initial stuff would be. Um, we had things like the live Q&As to give us an opportunity to fill in any gaps. And then as time went on, we worked our way through that list and that list changed. It got added to, it got reprioritized based on feedback, but we worked our way through that list 
creating the courses that would fill in more of the gaps. And the other thing I'll say there as well is the type of content we've created has changed a little over the years Mm. as well again based on what members are asking for and what members find most effective and the best way to learn so it's not just the content itself that is dictated by what our members are asking for but also the way we create and produce yeah so you know things like um things like the quick wins which are like short real specific usually tech related stuff um that doesn't warrant a full course like the idea to start doing them they came that came solely from from members, right? And, you know, that's been some of our most popular uh, content. Uh, the expert workshops, you know, we'd kind of, uh, I think we started doing those live, but then like now they're pre-recorded and stuff. There's just so much room for, for change, for adaptation based on just paying attention to what members are talking about, asking them for their input, using polls. So we've used polls in our community countless times to um, either very I was going to say sometimes it's just to verify that we're on the right track. So we'll put the poll choices out there and then the date will come back. We're like, okay, yeah, we were right about wanting to focus on this thing. So we'll do that. Um, Sometimes we set out the deeper surveys. And again, all this data helps us to plot that out. For the podcast, for the public content, we mostly um, create that based on questions people ask in our Facebook group or via email. So in the very early days, I've talked about this before, um, when our Facebook group was still fairly small um, and when we were in there a lot more, we would generally, you'd see someone ask a question, I'd go away, record a podcast episode, and then be able to go back and say, funnily enough, I just recorded a podcast episode about this very thing. It's going to be released next week. Here's Here's the link to subscribe. But to answer your question right now, this is what I think. So um, it was entirely crowdsourced. And to a large degree, it continues to be to this day. It's just we have a much larger crowd. So obviously it comes from the Facebook group, comes from our social channels, comes from our members. They give us the inspiration, the ideas for content to create right across the board. In terms of how much we try to add each month, we also want to make sure there's at least one new thing a month in terms of um, it's almost hard content versus soft content. So hard content being like, courses workshops stuff like that soft content almost being the live stuff like the q and a's um so our routine with the academy now is we do two live q and a's a month which are alternate weeks and we then have in between them we release a pre-recorded workshop on a very specific topic so for example may's workshop is on google ads and then the we also now add a membership insider each month, which is a, a behind the scenes of a, a membership. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like a walkthrough, a real-time analysis of um, various memberships. So it's sort of like broken down almost like a course, but it's a very different type of content that caters almost to a, a different segment of our audience. Yeah. So there's something there's something every week. Yeah. And then there's sporadic um, so like when when we get like perks and offers and yeah. stuff like that from members, um, when or, they come in, we add them to the academy. Yeah. So the, that you have that more free form content that we either create like quick wins. Yeah. You know, someone might ask a real techie question on the forum, and we'd be like, you know what, that would actually make for a good ten minute tutorial video. So we'll create it. That goes in the library, and it's it's ad hoc. So yeah, so those are just added as and when. Um, so you have the kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So we have our fixed schedule and then we have our, our flexible content as well. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, next question comes from Instagram. It comes from Colin Gray, otherwise known as the podcast host. <laughs> Colin knows us too well, so his question, again, he knows the answer to this. What is the greatest board game of all time? Now, it's a tricky one, that one. We are, we're geeks, I know, you should get that by now. It's tricky, because if, if it's a completely um, unbiased, what do we think is just the greatest board game of all time, then it has to be like Trivial Pursuit or Monopoly or no. just broadly. But if you're asking what is our favourite board game of all time, Pandemic. I'm gonna, oh, don't! I'm gonna, <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat that that pandemic legacy. Pandemic is legacy. the greatest board game of all time. Season one and two. Yes, like okay, so awesome games. Pan- pandemic is a collaborative board game, um, which is all it's centered around um, a, a, a viral outbreak yeah. and you needing to kind of contain that and to stop the world from um, completely destroying itself. Um, so. It's it's an awesome, it is a really really good game and it's quite an interesting um, twist for us first time we played it the fact that it is collaborative you've got to work together and you discuss like you know it's very strategic um, to to handle the end of the world basically um, but then they have Pandemic Legacy which is kind of a it's it's a you you play the game over the series of. 12 months in the the game's time timeline and each time you play it things happen events yeah. occur and the consequences of your actions could very well be permanent yeah it so, adjusts the game as you go so you can play. only play it through the 12 months once yeah and then yeah. and then you're and then, done. and then you're done you know because like pieces of the game like cards will get torn up and disposed the 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 actual board you know, there'll be changes made to it as you go. Um, so yeah, so it's a sing. So you basically play through twelve rounds or twenty four. Twenty four, if you're not 20, very good. Yeah, so you get two attempts at uh, basically resolving what's going on in each given month. Uh, if you fail both, then you move on to the next month, and obviously there are con- consequences that get carried through. So um, it's a like we we are obsessed with it. So. Um, and obviously, there's a story to it as well, and basically, depending on how you do throughout yeah. the the twelve months, that determines essentially what happens in the end. So the first time we played it through, we thought we were doing real well, didn't we? We thought we were doing real well, and there's certain there's points at which you have to make a decision over. Okay, we've got these like four objectives. Um, we only need to complete two of them in order to pass and progress on the month. So you you choose what a Pay attention and what not to. We chose poorly. We chose poorly. <laughs> um, and so the ending we got was like the second worst ending that was possible in the game. Like we compl- I don't we messed- think it was that bad. I mean, we messed everything up. Like we actually looked at what the other endings could have been. And there were some... I didn't, I didn't think no, no, we did. They were all, yeah, we, we did badly. Um, <laughs> we did better with season two. We did two. better with season two. So season two picks up a period of time after the end of season one. And again, you've got... 12 months to, to play and it's a lot of things have changed and stuff like that so it is so so good like if you're a board game fan you don't have to be a massive geek we we're not really big board game geeks like we've got a lot but we went we're, we're not yeah we're not 
we're not obsessive yeah or anything. like i've literally never played dungeons and dragons or yeah. anything like that but pandemic i think is quite accessible yeah it was for very us. much it's quite accessible. and it's good for kids as well i would say i don't know you know i mean colin plays it with his little ones yeah but only because his wife won't play it <laughs> that might be a little too much personal info there, Colin. Um, all right, so there we go. Our favorite yeah. board game of all time, and Pandemic Legacy. Yeah, and I'm just going to say we mainly play collaborative board games because Mike gets very competitive. Mike so. gets extremely competitive. <laughs> we actually, um, we we went through a period where um, you can get like kind of board, like mini board game versions of escape rooms, um, which I love. I love anything involving puzzles or anything with that kind of thing. Um, I'm, I'm good at escape rooms but we we fell out didn't we yeah we did <laughs> I'm, nev- I'm never playing an escape room game with mike again i'm never going to an actual escape room with mike because, i don't i don't blame like, you yeah our relationship can withstand a lot but just, i'm not yeah, sure that if we go to an escape room together i will not escape <laughs> like it, it, it might it might just be a game but you will make sure i don't escape so yeah <laughs> all right thanks for that question colin um next question comes from another one of our members uh this is carol copeland thomas hi mike and callie this is carol copeland thomas in boston i am curious based on your experience and those of the other members about the ways to engage members more on the website my model includes events which tends to be the strong engagement factor in my membership campaign and platform. I'm now trying to get people to do more and become more engaged on my member website, particularly with my community forum. So any suggestions along those lines would be very helpful. Thank you so much. I'm enjoying the experience working with you and the other members. So there's a few uh, there's a few kind of common things we always recommend people do. Uh, if you've got a forum uh, or you know a Facebook group, we prefer forums for this stuff. Um, make sure you you make it easy for people to introduce themselves and make sure you part of your onboarding. So your new member experience is geared around getting people to introduce themselves to the community. Because once they've done that, once they've kind of ticked that off and they've taken that first step in the community, it becomes a lot easier for them to dive into other discussions. And sometimes it just takes like one or two extra people in a conversation for it to really take light. And of course, you know, if if your community becomes known as a place where there's good conversation, there's good back and forth, where questions are answered, where people are given stuff to think about, then people are more likely to make a part of their day-to-day habit. Um, also, don't overlook the importance of low-hanging fruit, so off-topic discussions. Uh, I use this example all of the time, and it's very relevant, given that we're in the middle of Game of Thrones fever right now. But it's so much easier if you have an off-topic section of your forum. So much easier for someone to contribute with their opinion on the latest episode of Game of Thrones than it is to weigh in with their perspective on a real serious topic in your industry. And again, it's just about getting people to take that first step. And whether it's to introduce themselves, whether it's to um, comment on something just not on topic, not serious, just getting over that first hurdle of making a post, making a response, introducing themselves, making their voice heard in your community, that can be all it takes to to get people get the ball rolling on them becoming more active and as a result visiting your site more contributing more and uh, participating more yeah and i would say that consistency is also key 
So you want to make sure that you are regularly in touch with your members about the community as well. So you'll know I'm a big advocate for a weekly email, which kind of rounds up some of your best community discussions and things like that. And that's a great way of getting people into the habit of checking into your community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have members who, who say that, you know, they love that Saturday email because it reminds them to actually go check out, post their own questions, answer, connect with people and things yeah. like that. Because you're, so, you're curating the best discussions yeah. in your forum for them. So and you're, that's added convenience for them. They don't have to check in every day and see, is there anything, you know, I want to reply to? You're going to them once a week with this roundup and saying, this is the best content and it makes it easier for them to yeah. jump in. And it's that consistent reminder that it's there as well because we can we can forget. Yeah. And, you know, we've had members who've been a member for a year and never posted in the community and then they do because actually they've been reading that email, they they remember the community's there and now's the right time for them to actually post something and they feel comfortable doing so because they've seen those previous posts as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, find ways as well of, of making the community an integral part of the member experience as opposed to just another section of your website to visit so if you've got courses if you've got workshops and training then beneath every piece of content you could have a little call to action button which says do you have a question about this content click here to ask and that takes them into the community so in that sense you're bridging the content and the community aspect by making the community an integral part of consuming that content, you know, um, further discussion, any additional questions, show an exact, you know, maybe one of your training is, is to get people to complete an exercise. Again, use your community as the place where they then post their results rather than it just being a totally separate um, part of your site. Yeah. And I think, you need to be persistent as well. You can't get downheartened if you're not getting the engagement you want straight away, especially in the early days of your membership. You need to keep showing up mm-hmm. and then your members will start doing so. So you need to you need to just, as again, be consistent in your posting in the community as well. Yeah. And, and yeah, sooner or later you reach a tipping point where actually more of the community activity becomes your members rather than you. Yeah, and that's, you know, if you find yourself in the very early days of your community, um, thinking you know the only conversation that happens in here happens when i started or when i reply you're not doing something wrong it's just as Callie says you need to be that catalyst it all starts with you if you're not showing up in your community why would anybody else you know you've kind of got to you've got to lead that charge and as Callie says you will then get to a point where it tips and where you one day log into your community to answer all the questions and you actually look and say there's nothing for me to answer because members have helped each other out here. And that happens. Um, the other thing to do as well, what Callie mentions not getting downhearted, is to make sure that you have realistic expectations about the level of engagement that you get. There's something um, called the 99-1 rule. And this relates to community engagement. And it broadly, it's a kind of, as with all these things, it's a rule of thumb. But it broadly states that only about 1% of your members will be heavily active power users. So these are the guys who are coming into your community several times a day. They are starting discussions as well as replying to them. They are rabid super fans. They are 1%. 
The other 9% will be regular active users. So maybe they'll log in once or twice a week. Uh, they'll not always contribute, but you know, when they do, they're more likely to reply to discussions rather than start them. Um, but they're engaged, you know, they're active, they are a part of your community, they're visible, you'll know them by name. The other 90% are either lurkers, and these are people who will log in your community sometimes multiple times a day, but they'll very rarely, if ever, respond or start a, start a conversation. They are there. They are getting value by consuming and reading, and they're perfectly happy doing that, but they're not putting their head um, above the line and, and, you know, chipping into conversations. And then, of course, a big part of that 90% as well will be people who never visit your forum because they, they don't feel they need to, because they get their value elsewhere, because they forget, because they're not fans of forums or Facebook groups. And that's fine. You know, um, lurkers are still valuable and you don't have to try and turn that 1% into 50%. Just use this, this is all really to illustrate the fact that, you know, if you've got 200 members and you're getting worried that not every single one of them is starting a new conversation, you're not doing something wrong. So making sure you, your expectations are in line with the way communities typically uh, behave. Again, that can save you a lot of stress because we see cases where people's communities are, the engagement levels are perfectly fine for the, the size of community that they have, but they're wasting so much time pulling their hair out worrying about the fact that you know there's still some members who haven't introduced themselves it's just the way it goes yeah and my final tip on this although i feel like this is a topic we could cover for ages is actually get to know your members so pay attention to what members are posting what they're working on what they're doing and then connect them with other members so this is one of my favorite things to do in the academy community if you have ever posted in the academy community i know who you are i know what you're working on i know questions you've asked and things that you've tried mm. and so if somebody else comes into the community and is like hey this is what i'm wanting to do what suggestions do you have? I can then tag other members that I know have had this issue or have done something awesome in that space or are working on a similar site yeah. to connect those members together and helping to connect members together. So also helps to inspire that discussion between your members rather than it all being about you. Definitely. And actually that there, it all being about you, that final tip I'm going to offer is give conversations a little bit of breathing room sometimes you don't always have to be in there immediately answering every question because what will happen if people are joining the membership because they view you as an expert a thought leader an authority if you answer their questions right away they're not going to care about what comes after because a lot of times you are seen as the definitive voice the final word, the final answer. So if you're rushing to answer absolutely every single question, then you make it so that nobody else is going to reply because you've given, you've delivered the final word, delivered the final verdict, and that's what the poster wants. And you've delivered on that. You, you haven't left a bit of breathing space to allow other people to make contributions and potentially more valuable contributions so you know it may be counterintuitive but sometimes you see something in your community that you could answer definitively straight away sometimes you have to walk away from it and deliberately leave it for a period of hours to give other people an opportunity to jump in to give conversation a chance to flourish Otherwise, you can end up suffocating the discussion in your community. And, you know, it's it's a 
downward spiral from there because then your community just becomes a place to to ask you questions and no one else will feel that they they are empowered in any way to speak up yeah all right we could definitely do a whole episode in fact we have done whole episodes on this um <laughs> but uh yeah hopefully this is uh, useful for you guys and then our final question to close out the show comes from adam on instagram at million pound mission adam wants to know is our membership membersiteacademy.com always the gateway to other things that we offer um to our audience the answer is no so the membership is the main thing, but it's not the only thing that we do. It's the core, it's the heart of, of our business. But, you know, we've got our conference in September, retainlive.com in the UK. Um, we have a, a book, Member Machine. We um, occasionally do workshops and mastermind days. We've yeah. done several of these in San Diego. We've done them in London. Um, we have, uh, we for a period of time ran Membership Accelerator, which was kind of a group coaching program um, that's currently kind of on hiatus. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've, we've run that for over a year. So while, you know, the membership is the main thing that we offer and it shall always be the core product we promote it's not the the gateway to everything so when we've when we you know you can go to amazon and buy our book just search for member machine you don't have to be a member to get that um you don't have to be a member to come to retainlive.com no i always i don't even just call it his name i always say the web address but you don't have to be a member to come to our conference you don't ha- you didn't even have to be a member to be in the membership accelerator but but members get priority yes. members get preferential like nearly yeah. can't say that members, word members, members get, get preferential members get priority members get it cheaper members get it earlier so it's not the only way to access the other stuff we offer but it's the best way so with um with our conference if you're a member the ticket is cheaper our members get their ticket is it hundred pounds yeah. discounted? Yeah, if you're a member of the academy, then the ticket for our conference is a hundred pounds cheaper. Also, our academy members were the first ones tickets were sold to before public ticket sales opened. With um, the accelerator, which was a small group coaching, um, the first time we opened it, we had a limited amount of spots. We had two groups of eight. We opened it to members first and we sold out all the spots yeah. So, yeah so we had the intention it would go to members first we give members two weeks to sign up for it after which it would then open up to the public we sold out all the spots just to our members during those two weeks and it was as a result we didn't open it to the public um again workshops mastermind days our members always get first dibs so they get offered the chance to to buy attend whatever anything else that we're doing before it opens to the public they will always get a cheaper price because that's just how it is that's that's the reward for being a member so it's not a gateway but it is the best way because our membership is where we deliver ridiculous value it's where we want you to be and you know they're always top of our list in terms of who will get preferential treatment who we'll invite first who gets the best prize the best deals members will always get the best deal available on absolutely anything that we do yeah the membership and our members in particular are the heart of everything yes so yeah it's not the only way but it is the best way if you're going to engage with us on any other level come i mean i keep saying this people like tickets for retain 
are £100 cheaper if you're a member. Membership's $49 a month. It's a no-brainer, right? Right? And and that's deliberate. And we show both prices on the sales page. So, you know, if you look at that, they okay, well, do I pay full price? Or do I pay less than the amount that I will save and join the academy as well? And then obviously once I come to the academy, they'll realize they have found Nirvana for membership owners and they're going to stick around and, you know, they're going to benefit from earlier, cheaper, preferential stuff and anything else we do. All right, that is it. Now, this has been a long episode, much longer than usual, but hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. We've enjoyed answering your questions, serious ones, daft ones. We don't get as much of a chance to just talk about our own journey these days. Um, I feel we talked about a lot more in the early stages. So, you know, we always uh, like that little trip down memory lane. It's always good for grounding us and letting us know how far we've come. And we have certainly come a heck of a long way. 200 episodes of the Membership Guys podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for every episode you ever listened to, all the amazing feedback, every second of your time that you've given to us. Please know that it is truly, truly valued and appreciated. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with us for 200 awesome episodes of the Membership Guys podcast. Here's to the next 200 episodes. Callie, is there anything you'd like to say before we take this episode home? Before you put me in the cupboard, you mean, and and don't let me back for another year? Yes. (laughs) You can come back on episode 300. Thank you. Be gone with you. I'll do a plug for my membership if you're not careful. (laughs) Uh, My membership, my podcast. Oh, oh. She waits until the 200th episode to let slip her master plan. I'll get uh, you. I'll see where this is going. My plan has been foiled. You're darn right it is. <laughs> but, uh, but in all seriousness, guys, thank you so much for being a listener on the podcast. I don't get to be on here as, as much as I would like. How many times are you going to but, bring that up? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but you can hear more from my dulcet tones over at behindthemembership.com com as well you can we have season three of behind the membership.com coming very very soon if you've not discovered and not heard that podcast i'm actually going to feature one of the best episodes from a previous season of behind the membership that's actually going to be featured on this episode so you can get a bit of a taste of what callie's got going on but these are real deep dive discussions with real membership site owners looking at the ins and outs of their journeys and the great thing is it's not just interviewing people who are mega successful or these big names or who've had a total smooth ride you know quite often these conversations they go a lot into failure right and stuff that hasn't worked they're they're quite raw and vulnerable yeah yeah we cover the whole gamut of of exactly how somebody's gone from from idea to launch with their membership and all the twists and and turns along the way yeah. and and what they're doing now and what's working for them yeah and, real um, people real memberships real stories okay that's enough of a plug for your podcast back to the membership guys podcast episode 200 thank you so 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 much if you are a long-term listener this is a perfect opportunity for you to let us know if we're doing well for you guys hit up the review section of whatever app you use to listen to this show itunes stitcher spotify wherever you're tuning in from we would love it if you could leave us a review hopefully a nice review hopefully with five shiny stars attached Thank you very much. We'd love to hear from you. We greatly appreciate it. That is it from us for this milestone episode. I'll be back again next week with another installment of the Membership Guys podcast. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Membership Guides podcast, we invite you to check out the membersiteacademy.com. The Membersite Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. So whether you're still figuring out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Member Site Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Member Site Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow as successful membership website so check it out at membersiteacademy.com